fasting and praying. Um, I hope you have been active in that. It's been a, a joy for me to be able to do that. I uh, haven't fasted a full day, but what I do in the evening is uh, I have been skipping my evening meal and uh, then going to the prayer closet and spending time with the Lord and having a pretty extended fast the next morning, getting up early, and I'm blessed to be able to retire in my retirement to be able to do that. But <clears throat> you can play the man and get up and do that early, even if you're going to work and uh, spend some time with the Lord, and then then break your fast in, in your breakfast. Remember next week that what we'll do is we'll have a regular service, and instead of bringing bringing uh, uh, covered dishes and meals for our fellowship afterward. Bring a heart ready to come to the table of the Lord and feast with Him in His presence in prayer and thanksgiving and petition. And understand this is not a time where you put on a sad face when God invites us into before His throne of grace, invites us to His table to fellowship and to have communion with Him, to drink from the well of salvation with Him. Then it is a time of joy. It is a time of great privilege and we need to Come with those kind of thoughts in our mind, ready. So we'll, what we'll be doing is after the, the morning normal service, we will dismiss for just a few moments and then we'll come back and we'll be having a time of prayer together. And then you can break your fast in the afternoon, however you see fit. Okay? You ready for that? Amen. Okay. I would have you to look with me in uh, Psalm 18. I think in your bulletin, you're told that we're going to read the whole psalm. I forgot to get one, so I don't have it, but we're not. We're going to read through Psalm 19, and then we'll go from there to... Uh, thank you, Bill. I'll be doing some exposition on the on the rest of those. Verses. The psalm should be approached really with a uh, exposition of each of each verse, but I don't have the luxury of being able to do that this morning and not being able to come up uh, every Sunday like Mark is blessed to do with you guys. Then I I can't do that. So we'll we'll be looking at the verse that we're looking at in context. And so look with me in, at Psalm 18. We will begin with the heading. It's very important that we understand when this psalm was given. I'm reading out of the New King James large print so I can see better, and it is a good translation. I would recommend it to you. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies, and from the hand of Saul, and he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs or the sorrows, if you will, of death surrounded me. And the floods of ungodliness, or if you will, ungodly men, made me afraid. The sorrows, or if you will, the cords of Sheol surrounded me. And the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. 
And he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from its mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightning in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundation of the world were un- foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me. For they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Pray with me if you would. O Lord, our God, and our Father in heaven, we're so very grateful that you have made a way for us to come into your holy presence, the holiest of places. Lord, you were angry with us, but you've turned your anger away, and you've comforted us as we think and consider the blood of Jesus Christ. That is our only way to come into your presence. You have made a new and living way for us to come before you through his blood. And we rejoice. And our priest, our high priest that is seated at your right hand this morning, whoever lives to make intercession for us. We rejoice in your salvation. We rejoice in the fact that we are not just sinners forgiven, that we're not just justified, but we are adopted and now children of God. Join heirs with Christ, heirs of God. We thank you for that this morning. And we come before you with joy. We come before you rejoicing in our hearts. You've made us glad this day, God. And we thank you that you have given us a well from which we can draw water. And that is the well of salvation. Help me this morning, Lord, in truth and with clarity, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to be able to declare and proclaim your gospel and declare the testimony that you have given us, declare your deeds among your people and mention your name in a very exalting way every time that it is said. Lord, you put a song in our heart and we rejoice and thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our key text this morning is verses 16 and 17, primarily verse 16, where the psalmist said, He sent from above, He took me, He drew me out of the waters, He delivered me from my strong, from those who hated me, He delivered me. These words that we are 
reading are an expression of David's experience, of Christ's experience, and of every Christian, if you are a Christian, it's an expression of your experience. I can remember long, long ago, far, far away in another galaxy when I was young, and I was in good shape. (laughs) We were, my wife and I, and I think it was my sister, were at a place called Mill Creek, and we were on a little island that you had to drive across, say, you could drive across some water and get to that little island down at Mill Creek. And the wind was blowing pretty hard that more, that, that afternoon, and we, Raynette and I, and my, my sister were the only ones I remember being on the island. And the wind took, uh, one of the floats, and it was taking it out across the water. And so, being the man that I was, I jumped in the water and was going to chase the float down. And I would swim hard and I'd nearly get to it and it would go away. I'd swim harder and I'd almost have it within grasp and it would blow away. The wind was blowing pretty hard. And I'd swim until I was tired. And I thought, well, I need to turn around. I'm not going to be able to get catch this float. And so when I turned around, I was a long ways from where I'd started at. And Raynette and my sister... And I was primarily showing out for Raynette, who didn't even know I was out there. They had started doing something else and weren't even noticing me. And so I began to swim as hard as I could, but lo and behold, the waters were hitting me in the face. It was like a flood. I was surrounded by many waters. The shores were a long way from me in any direction that I looked. And so I swam as hard as I could, and the waves were bashing against my face, getting into my mouth. I was hard to breathe. I tried swimming on my back, and they would go over my head. And I just swam and swam, and I was just so tired. I was so tired that I couldn't hardly lift my arms up. And I was trying with all my might, and I had a good bit of strength that day. I had a good bit of stamina. But I was so tired that I began to just let myself go and just go to the bottom, relaxing and resting for a moment. And I found it and I'd push myself back up and get some air and make a few more strokes. Have you ever been so tired that you couldn't lift your arms anymore? That it was just, your feet wouldn't kick anymore. You just weren't able to do anything to preserve your own life at that point. I was... And you just get to where it's, you know, it doesn't matter now. And that's where I was at. And of a sudden, <laughs> I heard a voice. Somebody grabbed me by the, my pants. And back then we swam with cut-off blue jeans. Some of you are old enough to remember that. And I had a pair of cut-off Wranglers. And this guy grabbed me by, the, by the, my pants. <laughs> and he said... Son, you need some help. <laughs> it's pretty strong. I said, <laughs> he pulled me up over in the boat. He drove me over, took me over to the island, and he put me out and he put my feet on some solid ground. And I don't think Raymet and Raynette or my sister ever even saw any of that. She didn't see the guy. Some people say, oh, there's a, that's an angel. Okay, we can rejoice in the fact that it was an angel. No, it was, even if it was an angel, it was God. God took me 
He sent from above. He preserved my life and He's done it so many times. He took and He laid hold of me and He drew me out of those many waters. He delivered me, if you will, from my enemy at that point, my fatigue, my inability, the waves that were crashing upon me. So these words are an expression of any Christian's experience, and we're going to look at it being an expression of David's experience, of Christ's experience, and every Christian's experience this morning. And in each one of these experiences, we're going to learn a lot about God. We're going to learn much of David's God, of the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, of our own God. And I want you to consider who your God is this morning. Is He the God of Scripture? Is He the God of David? Is He the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The Lord Jesus Christ? Is He the God of Paul? Or is He something that is something like an idol that you've placed up here and He has no involvement with you in your life unless you need to get married, have a funeral, or some special occasion, or somebody sick? Is He that kind of God? If he, if that's all he is to you, then you don't know God. And according to Jesus in John seventeen three, that is eternal life. It, eternal life is that you might know Him, who is the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. And so, in learning, in our looking at these experiences today, we're going to say, we're going to, as I said, learn about a lot about each one of these. David, the Lord Jesus Christ, and our own God. We're going to learn because, as we're going to see, His character is shown to us. His character is unfolded to us all through the Scriptures. It's unfolded to us right here. His character, what He is and what He does for His people is shown to us here. His character, remember, is embodied in His name. And David calls upon His name. He says, I will love you, O Lord. In the day that the Lord delivered me from the hands of my enemies, I sang this song unto the Lord. He is the Lord. He, David says He is Jehovah. He is Yahweh. He is the self-existent, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful God who has no beginning, who has no end, the eternal God. And David bows to Him and he speaks of all that he has been to him in his life's experience. Isaiah tries to find words, I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 9, to describe who God is. He's spoken of as wonderful, counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, Emmanuel. That's who Jesus is to the believer. He's all these things. And I like the first word, wonderful. He's wonderful. And David speaks of the wonder of his God drawing him, sending, taking hold of him, and drawing him from many waters. He says in verse 1 that he is my strength. And then in verse 2, he is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. He is my strength. 
in whom I will trust. He is the shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. He is all of these things. He is the God, my friends, of all grace. He is the God of love because God is love. In Him is help and in Him is redemption. In Him and Him alone is salvation. He is the one who redeems Israel from Israel's all of Israel's troubles. Just like I was drawn out of the water, you read the history and the testimony of God's faithfulness in the history of Israel, and you see Him drawing them out of troubled waters, many waters, time after time after time after time. They would get themselves into a fix. Just like America's in a fix today. But you need to look toward God. Not toward Washington, D.C. Not first. You look to God. And trust in God. Remember when the the Gabriel, the angel, spoke to Mary about what was about to happen to her? She was going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. She was going to conceive in her womb a holy child by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the angel said, and you shall call His name Jesus. Why Jesus? Because He will save His people. Important. His people from their sins. Understand that Jesus is a Greek word which is the equivalent for the Hebrew word Joshua. Meaning, the Lord is salvation. The Lord is my salvation. In the broadest sense of the word, from beginning to end, He is the one who has delivered, is delivering, and will yet deliver me, my salvation. It is He, it is He that takes, that, that, that sins and that from above. It is He who takes, who lays hold of, and it is He who draws us out of the many waters. And this is the God with whom we have to do. This is the God who is infinite in power and grace. Infinite, eternal, unchanging God. Infinite in wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That's who we have to do with. And let me underline this for you. To rest in His love... To rest in His power is the true strength and comfort of the soul. Resting in His love, resting in His power is the true strength of the soul. How is it that you are going to comfort people with the comfort by which you've been comforted, which Paul tells the Corinthians to do? I'm going to tell them this. My Lord is my salvation. He is my rock. We're going to sing Rock of Ages at the end of this. We're going to worship the Lord in singing that. He is my rock. And when we think of rock right there, you think of something that's like a cliff that you get into that's unshakable, that doesn't move, that you can hide yourself in. Something that's strong. Something that is like Rock of Gibraltar. Something that doesn't move. 
We begin to look at ourselves. We see our weaknesses and we see a true knowledge of ourselves, and that's what you'll have when you begin to see yourself in the light of who God is. A true knowledge of ourself brings us down. But the knowledge of this God that I'm talking about relieves and lifts us up. There is a uh, very, very, very great use in knowing yourself. Understanding that it's not that we might be qualified for receiving and being received by Him. Even though we do come to a knowledge of ourselves. See ourselves as sinners, which we're going to deal with before we close here this morning. But as we come near Him, and we have a true knowledge of ourself, we become more and more unhappy with self. And we're more and more drawn to Him who is altogether unlike self, and who is altogether lovely, which is what I'm not. It is in knowing self And this is a work of sanctification that goes on in a Christian who has been born anew in his entire man. He's a new creature. He's renewed in his entire being. And then he's enabled more and more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness by God's grace working in him. There's less and less of me and more and more of God And what it is when we are emptied of self as we come to know self and cry out to God and say, Save me, Lord. (laughs) You run out of steam just like I did trying to swim to the island. But what happens is we decrease and He increases. Remember, that's what John says. I must decrease. And He must increase. We, our hearts are full with a desire. The desire of our heart is to be able to say, for me to live is Christ. The desire of my heart is to be able to say, oh, I've been crucified with Him and it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. He is my all in all. He is my everything. Less and less of me. In David's experience, we see this entire psalm making reference to the subject of being laid hold of and drew from many waters. In his entire life, we see him being delivered from a strong enemy. An enemy that hated him. Wanted to destroy him. He was always in the deep. Always. <laughs> read, the, read the life of David. He was always in trouble from, from the moment that Samuel anointed him as king. Saul comes after him. Saul wants his life. Then the Philistines want his life. Then Absalom, his own son, wants to take the kingdom from him and kill him. Threatened. Everything is threatening David. Everything is trying to pull him under. These these enemies surrounded him. They raged around him. They raged against him until it seemed as if he was sinking in the waters. The pangs of death, he says, surrounded me. 
The floods of ungodly men even made me afraid. The cords of Sheol surround me. The snares of death confronted me. All these things are going on in this man's life. Not once. Not twice. But time after time after time. But in every danger, in every danger, God drew near to save. He sent from above. He took him laid hold of him and drew him out of many waters. Jehovah's love, God's power never fails, my friends. Never. As low as David went, they went that low and lower still because God's hand was under him to hold his head always above water. Always. Though he passed through troubled waters, God was there with him, holding his head above the waters. When he was a young shepherd guarding the sheep, he faced the bear, he faced the lion. And then, as soon as he is anointed king, he's got enemies all around him. Enemies everywhere. And as king... Well, the guy becomes king. He's not a shepherd anymore, right? And so as his king, you would think that his troubles would be less. He's the man in charge. He's the man with the power. He's the man with the call on him. But this call to be a king, to follow what God has called him to do, it only stirred up conflict. It stirred conflict up. It caused a storm to rage against him. A strong storm that was too much for him. That was stronger than him. Verse 17, He delivered me from my strong enemy for the, for those, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. You look at the preface to the psalm that we read as we began reading Psalm 18 here, David speaks of himself not as the king, but as the servant of the Lord. He was called by God to this place. Like you've been called by God if you're a Christian to the place you're in. He was called by God to this place. And God gave him something that he hadn't sought. I don't think David was keeping the sheep, playing his harp, thinking about being king of Israel. But God said, no, not this one, Jesse. 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 Jesse, don't you have another son somewhere? And here comes David. Yeah, that's him. God called him to that place. But because... He served God. He had to fight a fight. It's not a rose garden, friends. It's because when he began to serve God and he was anointed by God, chosen, set apart by God, like each of us are if we're Christians, then immediately man who is not a Christian is at enmity with him. Is at enmity with him. The world hates him. The devil hates him. 
and his flesh is stirred up against the things of God also. He's got a battle on three fronts. But because he, and it's because that he served God that he faced these things. He had a fight. What could he have done? What could he have done if it hadn't been for Jehovah? His God. He says, his shield, his rock, his deliverer. His deliverer. Verse 28. In that psalm says, For you will light my lamp. He was in some dark places, my friends, hiding in caves. Have you ever had people you knew just hated you? Grab hold of you? And say, stay away from my son. I'll give you some of this. It was because of a witness. And it's a place of darkness. Where you're bound by something that's stronger than you. Saying, shut up. But he says, you will light my lamp. The Lord my God enlightens my darkness. And because of God, he says in verse 29, I can run through a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. <laughs> he is a shield to all who trust in Him. A shield, a rock, a deliverer. That's who His God is. That's David's experience all through his life until the very end. Until the very end. The day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. This is... Song is taken here out of Second Samuel chapter 22. David is an old man when he writes and when he pens this. When he begins to sing this song. When he gives these words. He's an old man. He remembers Saul because Saul's hatred was so bitter. Pursued him so long. But he's been set free from all his enemies. He's going close to death when he writes this song. Remember that. And he looks at God and he rejoices in all that God has done for him. That's David's experience. But we also see an expression of prophecy of our Messiah's experience, of the Lord Jesus Christ's experience. These Psalms of David are also the Psalms of the greater son of David. And this Psalm is known by some as his resurrection Psalm. Just like Psalm 22 is known by some as his, the psalm of his crucifixion, of his dying on the cross. This, we see Messiah's experience here. Think about it. The Lord Jesus Christ. Because all his life he was exposed to those who hated him. His entire life. Even as a child in the cradle, there were those who hated him, hadn't even seen him, but they wanted to kill him. Satan was against him. And he felt the wrath of God all of his life as the bearer of our sins. Look at Psalm 88, 7 with me. Psalm 88. <clears throat> Eighty-eight. Look at verse seven. 
Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. It's a reference to water again. You find the same thought in Isaiah chapter 53. Verses 4 through 6, or just pick any of these prophetic words that was given by Isaiah years and years and years and years before even the birth of Christ. That was talking about what was going to happen in his life. It says in verse 3, he's going to be despised and rejected by men. He's going to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we're going to hide, as it were, our faces from him. Why? Because he's despised and we don't esteem him. Surely it says in verse 4, He's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed Him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. And He was. Because He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by the stripes He took upon Himself, we are healed. And all of we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned everyone to his own way. And listen, and the Lord has laid upon Him the iniquity of us all, of all of us, has been laid upon Him. This was something that was so, my friends, during His entire life. Like when He said, Now is my soul troubled, John 12. And again in Gethsemane when He said, My soul, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. My soul is sorrowful even unto death. Matthew 26 It was so on the cross when He cried, My God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was so when He lay under the power of death. He came. Jehovah sent from above. Jehovah took Him. And Jehovah drew Him out of the many waters that we talked about in verse 18. He delivered Him because He delighted in Him. My friends, He made these cries because He was our sin bearer. He was the one who took our curse upon Himself. It was He who bore even the death that we should have died. Taking our sins upon Him. Jehovah's wrath was poured out upon Him. We find as in Christ's life and in His death, it was out of this flood that the Father's hand took Him and delivered Him. Always remember that. Why does He cry out, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? We remember that's a place that He had to go because we had been separated from God. The misery of the estate that man fell into when he sinned against God, was that we, the, the, the chief misery was that we lost communion with God. We were separated from God. We were put out of the garden. Sin, our very nature, separated us from God. And there was a flaming sword held by an angel who said, you can't come in here to the tree of life. And so Christ comes into the world, born of a virgin, born without sin, and from the lives without sin, and He's here. And at that moment that He cries out, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That had actually happened. God had turned His face from the sin bearer for the one who took our curse. He was separated from God on our behalf that we might come near to God. My friends, we as fallen are under the wrath and the curse of God and thus we're subject to all the miseries of this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. And Christ experienced that for us. Jehovah's wrath, God's wrath, justice, and love was met there on that cross. Jehovah's wrath was upon Him. And it was out of this flood that the Father's hand took Him and delivered Him. And always remember this, His deliverance is ours. (laughs) Because He was delivered. Because the enemy found nothing in Him. Because He was tempted in every way as you and I, yet without sin. Death could not hold Him. Because He became a curse. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. He became a curse that what? Galatians chapter 4, 3 says, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon you and I. And because He's risen, we will rise also. He is, His deliverance is ours. His deliverance makes us be able to say, He is our, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22, the only place in the whole of Scripture that I can find where this word is used, and the King James translates it surety, something sure. We need something sure right now, don't we? Nothing sure. Nobody to trust. It was as our guarantor, as our, surety of a better covenant that He died. He gave Himself as our substitute. He gave Himself as our qualifier. It is Him that has qualified you to obtain an inheritance with the saints in light. And no man can take that away from you. What a joy! Unspeakable! By the precious blood, you've been redeemed. The Lamb without spot, has been given. You've been redeemed, my friends, not by silver and gold or any such thing as that, but by the precious blood of Christ. That's your guarantee. That's your surety. He was drawn out of many waters by the power of God. And now we pray, O God, may the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead quicken me, dwell in me, That's the promise in Scripture. That if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, He will quicken your mortal body. Oh yes, Lord, may it be so. No longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. May it be so. And then we have our experience. The Christian's experience. By our very nature, we are in these waters. That's our nature. 
And at first, we don't even know it, that we're in these waters. Oh, we're comfortable. we got plenty to eat. we got a nice house. The kids are healthy. Got a pretty wife. Got a good job. But our very nature is at enmity with God. We are, we are, as I've already said, under wrath. God's wrath. That's what God, Jesus saves us from. We are children of wrath. According to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3, that is the description of our condition. Children of wrath. Dead. In trespasses and sin. And Jesus says that the wrath of God abides on him, on the one that's not in him. Look at John chapter 3. Just That really struck me. John chapter 3 verse 36. <clears throat> Jesus has been talking to Nicodemus. About being born again. And he says in verse 36, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through John. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but what? The wrath of God abides on him, the wrath of God. But the problem is, is we're not alive to this. We don't even know it. <laughs> Dead in our sins and trespasses, we can't hear. We can't see. First Corinthians or chapter two, verse fourteen, tells us that the natural man, that's what we are, if we've not been born again receiveth not the things of God, neither can he receive the things of God, because the things of God are spiritually discerned, my friend. People talk to you about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told Nicodemus very plainly, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. You can't even see it. Much less enter it unless you're born again. And so... Our eyes and our ears are closed. We don't see. We don't hear. We can't hear the roaring of those waters. The storm of wrath. That's all around us. You know what? We're like Jonah who's asleep in the storm. You ever, you ever notice that about Jonah? I thought that was would fit here. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah's been called upon by God. And Jonah runs from God. He goes and takes a boat. He goes down to Joppa, Joppa and he takes a boat going to Tarshish. Pays his fare. But let's what, guess what happens. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. 
And the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, wrong God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep during the storm. Isn't it amazing to you, as a someone who wants to witness for Christ and tell people about the Lord, that people are, seem like they're asleep? They are asleep. They're dead. They can't hear. And the, and the captain goes down to him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Oh, sleepy guy. Arise. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And Jonah confesses. He sees the storm. And people are in danger around him. And then they finally throw him overboard. Right? Well, the storm stops. But it's not all over for Jonah. What happens to him? He still can't see. Why? Because it's dark where he went. He's in the belly of a great fish. He's there for three days. Three days. And he can't get out. Can you imagine? Just try to use your imagination. I know you're not used to that because you got your TV and your buttons and all that stuff. But try to use your own imagination for just a minute. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord in chapter 2, his God from the fish's belly. And it's the same experience that David and, 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 and the Lord Jesus cries out to the Lord. And he says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Because of my affliction. He saw his affliction. When my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then, not before, then, will I hear them, forgive their sins, and heal their land. we got a long ways to go. Those signs you see in people's front yards says prayer is the answer. It's true, but it's not true. Because most of those people don't have a clue about what they're talking about. Have they humbled themselves before God? Have they been, are there, are, is their bed watered with tears? Is their throat hoarse from praying? Is their eyes like a fountain of tears crying out because of the ungodliness of the people around them? Don't see much of that. When's the last time you did that. Watered your bed with God-given broken heart for the state of your land, for the state of the church. So, he's overwhelmed. And out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and he heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. And then I said, I've been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Yet you, he says at the end of verse 6, have brought up my life from the pit. Oh Lord, my God.
Same experience in all God's people. Like Jonah, so many are asleep in the ship trying to wake you up. Wake up. I can't wake you up. I know the Holy Spirit's got to wake you up. I can't wake you up, but I pray God wake you up. This nation did not get in the state it's in overnight, my friends. It's gotten the state it's in one step at a time. One man at a time not doing what he's supposed to do in his house. Until it's finally come to this. So, I got off track there a little bit. Sorry. We get like Jonah, asleep in the ship crying out in the belly of the whale, and then the Holy Spirit shows us. The Holy Spirit wakes us up. And He shows us Him and where He is. He shows us Christ. He shows us the Father that's drawn Him out of the many waters. And we see ourselves in that. And we become frightened. David was frightened. We become overwhelmed. And we don't know how to help ourselves. We try a lot of things. You know, when we start getting a glimpse of ourselves, we start trying to be the good guy. You may be like me. Become a hippie. Everything's peace and love for a little while. Then it doesn't work. And you try Mormonism. That doesn't work. Or you try joining some philanthropic group, as good as it may be. You may serve on the fire department. Well, you're a good guy, and I'm glad you do. And I'll tell you thank you. But that's not what you need to be woke up to, friends. Well, you find that everything is in vain. Everything. And then the Holy Spirit causes you. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? You go through all this stuff, and one day, Park in Houston, the Holy Spirit causes you to look up. You see Him. You see Him who was drawn out of many waters and He went there for you. You see Him who drew Him out, the Father. And you remember some words that He said. You remember that He said, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What sweet, sweet words. And you cry out. You appeal to that name. The name that is given that is above every name. And there's no other name whereby you may be saved except the name of Jesus because He is the salvation of the Lord. Come to us. You appeal to His name. And then what happens? You're born and help comes to deliver. You're drowning just like I was. Mill Creek Park. Nobody's seeing that I was drowning. You may be drowning and nobody's seeing that you're drowning. That he does. He sees. And so, what happens to you when that, what goes on in you? Well, then you join with David, don't you? On that day, the Lord delivered him. And he comes 
And he spoke to the Lord the words of this song. With David, you begin to sing. You sing the song. He sent from above. He came from above. He took me. He laid hold on me. He drew me out of the many waters. He draws you out. No man cometh unto the Father by, by the Son. And no man comes unto the Father, I mean the Son, unless the Father draws him. John 6, 44. You see that. You rejoice in that. And it becomes your song. And so in all your troubles, and you're going to have them, in all your conflicts, every day of your life, in all your times of sorrow, even on the bed of death, but especially on resurrection day, Especially on resurrection day when the dead in Christ shall rise first and our body shall be delivered from death and our body shall be taken out of the grave and we shall have that reunion when Christ comes. We'll rise, we'll meet Him and we'll sing the song. It is He who sent What I'm doing here is ascribing everything to God. From first to last. The sending, the taking, the drawing, all is of God. Salvation, listen carefully, is of the Lord. Of Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. Yes, my friends, Jehovah God saves. God saves man. He does not help us to save ourselves. He saves. Thank you very much. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. However low. No matter how low. No matter how deep the waters. No matter how close you are to perishing. Even if you've given up. Like my example. He can rescue. He will rescue. His arm, the scripture promises us, is not shortened that he cannot save. Nor is his arm so feeble feeble, that he cannot draw us out. And up. His is salvation to the uttermost, my friends. He delivers from the lowest hell. Is He your deliverer? Is this your song this morning? Is, is today your last day? You might think, and you, know, you say, Oh, I love you, Lord. My rock. My rock of ages. Is that your song? Do you sing that to the Lord? On your bed at night when you're awake and you can't sleep, do you say, do you sing your song, I love you, Lord, my deliverer? You know whether you do or not. You know who I'm talking about? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
you're in a hard spot, even if you have been and you are being and you will yet be. Were you like Jonah? Or like David when he yielded to his flesh, committed murder so that he could have another man's wife, lived in adultery, lost a son, got as low as low could get. And God. <laughs> you ever been there? Sent from above. Praise God. Pray with me. Oh, Father, our God, thank you. Thank you so much for your gentleness that reaches out to us. Thank you, oh, Lord, that you call us even when we're running from you like Jonah. You call us. You stir up all manner of things around us. Thank you for never letting us go. Lord, my deliverer, I praise you. And we love you, Lord. I pray for any man, woman, or child in this house today that doesn't know you, that they might know you. I pray for any that are bruised reeds or smoldering. I pray that you would fan the smoldering ember and make it flame. Stir up the gift that is in them, Lord. Let them see your face. Let them rejoice in the God of their salvation. Lord, as we sing this closing song to you, our rock of ages. Lord, please receive our praise in Jesus' name. Amen.